Section C. Aristotle, 384-322 BC. As a young man, he came under Plato's influence when he went to Athens and joined the academy. He sympathized with Plato on many points, but there was one on which he disagreed, namely, where reality is. For him, reality is in the sensible world, not in the world of ideas. Raphael has immortalized this in his fresco, representing an old Plato pointing his index finger upwards, facing a young Aristotle pointing it downward. Thus, Aristotle eventually left the academy and set up his own school, which he called Lyceum, where he taught the natural sciences. In the academy, on the other hand, the teaching was based rather on mathematics as more ideal while the natural sciences are about real things. In fact, Plato denied that there could be such sciences. Aristotle made many notable contributions to them, especially in biology. For Aristotle, we have to start with the material world, i.e. the world of motion, of things that move. Now, the principle of a thing that moves is called in Greek physis, hence physica, equaling things that move. Motion here means not only change of place or linear motion, but any change, like the growth of a flower or a step in the reasoning process. Then, from physics, he goes to metaphysics. Although he did not actually use this word, it was coined two centuries later, when his books were compiled to designate the books that came after the physics, meta equaling after. However, St. Thomas remarked that this term was well chosen, since metaphysics deals with what is beyond physics. And thence he goes to logic, which is our manner of knowing reality. Logic comes from the Greek logos, which means thought, although originally it means gathering into one what is scattered, which is what we do when we think, when we form our concepts, our concept of animal, for example, is one, but it is formed out of many kinds of animals. Logic, then, is the science of thought. And finally, for Aristotle, the most important knowledge to acquire comes at the end. After studying physics, metaphysics, and logic, we are prepared to tackle ethics and politics, which is the most valuable knowledge because it deals with the happiness of man and society. Now let us summarize the main points of Aristotle's doctrines under five headings. 1. Physics 2. Metaphysics 3. God 4. Man 5. Ethics 1. In physics, he says that there are two kinds of changes in material things. a. Changes which do not alter the substance since they are only accidental and b real substantial transformations. This leads him to discover that bodies are composed of two principles, the matter, principle of undifferentiation, and the form, principle of differentiation. The former underlies the changes, and the latter determines them. The Greek for matter, or common stuff, is highly, and for form, morphe, hence hylomorphism, or matter and form, doctrine. This is one of the most valuable achievements of natural philosophy, and fully acceptable to Christian philosophy, which has used it extensively. For example, 
in sacramental theology, the same applies to the substance and accidents doctrine, which has multiple applications in theology, when the church uses these concepts in her dogmatic definitions, however, it is not as Aristotelian concepts or Greek concepts, but as real metaphysical concepts mirroring realities in full view of all men, of all ages, of all cultures, of all places. That, for example, a thing cannot become something else unless it has the ability to do so. Act and potency doctrine is a truth which is above all differences of time and place. Aristotle discovered that motion is something very real, contrary to what Plato and others thought, who said that change is a sort of illusion, that the only thing that is real is what does not change. Aristotle explained the realities of change or motion as an act, though imperfect, i.e. an act in the process of passing from potency. Thus, he defines motion as the act of a being which is still in potency, for as long as it is still in potency. See chapter 7, section B and C, chapter 13, section A, and chapter 14, section B. And then he also discovered that time is the measure of motion. There are things that move, and the measure of that movement in respect of the before and the after succession is called time. Another Aristotelian discovery is quantity, as the first accident derived from matter, but distinct from corporeal substance, which is also a very important metaphysical truth for theology. See chapter 13, section A and B. On the other hand, Aristotle fell also into Plato's error of thinking that celestial bodies are also animated, which highlights the difference between what is conditioned by culture and therefore dated, i.e. either out of date or up to date, and what is true regardless of culture. And the test to tell the difference is the candid observation of reality without allowing the imagination or the emotions to distort the view. See chapter 9, section E. 2. Aristotle conceives metaphysics as the science of the first cause, and of being as being, and the properties of being, we have followed this conception and approach in parts 3 and 4, as well as in part 2, chapter 7, and we have seen how acceptable it is to a Christian philosophy. Among Aristotle's other discoveries in metaphysics, we can mention a. The principle of non-contradiction as first principle of being, b. The analogy of being, c. The ten categories of being, one substance and nine accidents, d. Act of potency, e. The four causes, formal, material, efficient, final. We can say, therefore, that Aristotle is the greatest metaphysician before Christianity. 3. However, his idea of God is also imperfect, like Plato's, but still remarkably lofty, taking into account that the Greeks were polytheistic. It is an achievement for Plato to have conceived of one God, monotheism, even though he also calls God the intermediary beings. Even though he also calls gods the intermediary beings as we saw. But Aristotle went further than Plato by conceiving God as the first mover and the first cause, and calling him pure act, 
Furthermore, he conceived God as the final cause. However, he did not see God as the efficient cause of the movements taking place here in the universe. For him, God is only the first mover. But then, all subsequent motions go by themselves. See chapter 18, section D. Thus, he also rejects divine providence. See chapter 24, section G. 4. On the topic of man, Aristotle surpasses Plato again. As we have seen, he regards the human soul as the substantial form of the body, which rules out reincarnation. His consequent difficulties about the immortality of the soul were dispelled by St. Thomas, as we saw in chapter 31. Another achievement of Aristotle in this respect is his study of the sensitive life and the intellectual life in man. In the former, he deals with the external and internal senses, and with the emotions or passions, see chapter 27, section A, and chapter 29, section A. And in the intellectual life, he distinguishes between the active and passive intellect, and masterfully describes the process of abstraction, see chapter 27, section B. 5. Lastly, in Ethics, he is concerned with the happiness of man in society. All men seek what is good, and what is the best thing for man. His classical answer is that the good proper to man must be the best act of his best potency bearing upon the best object, which is found in the contemplation of God and the practice of the virtues of the intellectual life. See chapter 34, section D, chapter 38, section F, chapter 39, section G, and chapter 40, section A. But since man lives in society, he must also practice the virtues needed for his living together with other men. Prudence first, and then justice, fortitude, and temperance. So this is Aristotle, great achievements and some errors. Other errors, that slavery is part of the natural law, and that the state has the right to limit population growth. As we said, St. Thomas hailed his philosophy, but he purified it from its errors and perfected it. For example, regarding act and potency, St. Thomas made use of these concepts in a way that went well beyond what Aristotle had ever conceived. Aristotle never thought of the act of being, actus essendi. His vision was confined to the physical world, while for St. Thomas, Actuality means, above all, actuality of being, a more metaphysical vision. Aristotle's incomplete vision prevented him from seeing God as acting on everything. See chapter 24, section F. Aristotle conceived God as the first mover, but outside the world, because of his defective concept of act, which is more physical than metaphysical. What St. Thomas did was to take this concept and raise it to a metaphysical plane, and then he combined it with Plato's concept of participation. But he did all this under the guiding light of the faith, since it is the Bible that describes God as He who is, Exodus chapter 3. He saw that God is the fullness of being, the very act of being, the perfection of being, the subsistent act of being, and everything else is a participation in the act of being, which must be created by God out of nothing, since God cannot share his infinite act of being. 
See chapter 4, section B, chapter 16, section B, chapter 18, section D, chapter 23, section A, and chapter 24, section E.